Idiot in an Expert podcast, episode 12. Um, Hater said we wouldn't make it this far. We have. Uh, I'm Cal Chojo. I'm here, of course, uh, with my co-host, Claudio Perfetto. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Find him on Twitter, at cperfetto11. Um, you can find me at calchojo5. And uh, find the podcast at Idiot Expert Pod. Uh, Claude, how have you been doing so far? Good. Enjoying the World Cup. Excited to talk about and some other stuff, you know, including uh, some stuff outside of soccer. But overall, been good. Busy time in the sports world. Besides the sporting world, everything's all right with you. Everything's good. No problems. No issues. Nothing you want to talk about. No complaints. All right. Not today, at least. And well, nobody listens anyway. So, well, actually, we'll start with this. With uh, rather our listeners' grievances with you, um, because if you've been following uh, Claudio's picks on uh, on Twitter, you probably have lost a substantial amount of money. Uh, so what I tried to calculate, what are you three and five? So far? three and five. Okay. Three and five. So okay. not terrible. I mean, look, come on, Brazil and Germany. Those were the first two losses on Sunday. Um, I had Germany money line and I had Brazil minus one and a half. And so that means they had a win by two and they drew against Switzerland. But like who saw that coming? Come on, they all that's, if you take those two out of the equation, then I'm really three and two, so I'm not doing that bad. Oh, I, three and three. Sorry. I will tell you from from an outsider perspective, um, when you mix in the draw, it makes uh, betting on these games very very difficult. Yeah, it's extremely difficult. It, it, it's there's three potential outcomes, you know, on the money line, and then you know if if you're betting against the spread, that's a whole different thing also because it's such a fine line between, you know, one goal and two goals and stuff. So it's not an easy sport to bet. It really isn't. Yep. There, there we go. Three and five. So, uh, so, but today two and one, two and, and one. I, and I had Japan plus one and a half. Now that's and, a, that was a bit of a shock, right? Yeah. So it was Senegal, Senegal plus one and a half also, and those two teams were projected to lose to uh, Japan, to Colombia, and Senegal, to Poland. And then the one game that I lost was uh, I had Egypt winning against Russia, and they, they got dominated, thanks to you. So yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I will say this. I, I caught a little bit of the game, um, and it looked like LeBron and the Cavs out there. Um, yeah. Egypt is not a very, very good team. They're not a good team, but Russia's not one of the top teams in this tournament either. So, look, if it's Egypt against Spain, I get it. Then it's LeBron and the Cavs versus the Warriors. But LeBron at least picks his team up against, you know, similar or worse competition. I mean, keep in mind, Salah is only the third Egyptian to score a World Cup goal. So yeah. it's not like they have this oh. sterling record of, I, of amazing soccer. I read during the game a stat that was unbelievable that um, Egypt has not scored in a World Cup aside from a penalty since 1934. Um, just let that sink in for a little bit. I mean, yes, I understand the World Cup is every four years, so it's not like it's been 80 years of competition. But still, over the course of that period of time, even though it's only four years, it's still a crazy amount of time that they have not scored a goal in the World Cup. And barring, uh, you know, well, I guess they're playing, you said Saudi Arabia, right? So uh, yeah, the, the odds of them scoring, of them breaking that streak are, are probably pretty good. They're pretty good. They, they're probably pretty good now, but it's pretty much over for them in order to make it to the next round, and that's really what matters. And I think the injury had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, he, they played a tough game against Uruguay, who was probably the best team in the group. And they they gave up a goal towards the end of the game, which really broke their backs a little bit. And, and I think that um, if he were healthy and in form, uh, it would have been a little bit of a different story. Because even today, even though he played, he didn't really look like his old self. You know, he was a little sloppy. His touch was a little bit off. But I think they said yesterday was his first training session, Salah. And today he already played. So, so they kind of rushed him back. Yeah, it was to be expected. All right. Well, you know, the World Cup is uh, is underway and uh, already there's been some shocks. Um, you had Mexico topping 
Germany, you had Spain tying Portugal, um, Iceland and Argentina, Iceland and Argentina as well. Um, so those are a large amount of the favorites already uh, underperforming. Does that mean we have new favorites for this? I don't think so. Not yet. I mean, look, Spain, Portugal, that's a tough game. Spain looked a little out of it, but still a draw against Portugal could be expected. Uh, Brazil, Switzerland, Switzerland, you know, they, they're not a hot team. You know, they not a lot of people talk about them, but, um, According to the FIFA rankings, I think they're they're ranked like six, which the FIFA rankings are a little bit off, but still, you know that's that's really high. Um, they they're a very good team, organized, tough to beat, so that's understandable. Argentina, Iceland, Iceland's the same thing. You know, Iceland is a team. People think there's only three hundred thousand people in the country, such a small country, such a small team, which is true. But if you look at their their recent years, they they went to the quarterfinals of the European Championship in 2016, beating England on the way, which was a a huge deal. Then to get to the World Cup, they were in the same group as teams like Croatia, Ukraine, Turkey, which are decent teams, and they topped the group. And Croatia is, you know, a a hot team in this tournament. So Iceland's not a bad team, so I wouldn't make too much of it with Argentina either. And then Germany against Mexico, you know, Mexico also is not really that bad of a team so i just think that you know they got punched a little bit there's a lot more uh, parity well, in the con- in the competition now than there has been in recent years but, but you know what and you know i could be totally off base with this take but you tell me obviously you're the expert i feel in the world cup um now i'm thinking back you know the the tournaments that i remember and have followed i feel as if the first match team uh critics and fans are very reactionary um, they think the world is either coming to an end uh, or they think that their team is so strong that they're going to go all the way to, uh, to winning a championship. It's so true. It is true. Uh, but, you because, know, go ahead. Yeah, because, you know, I, I remember specifically um, Italy played England in an initial game, right? Maybe that was four or eight years ago. Um, and they tied. No, they beat them. Oh, they beat them. Yeah, and it was the last they, World Cup in Brazil. They beat England in the first game. And everyone thought that they were going to uh, to to possibly have a run to the championship. Obviously, that didn't happen. No, they didn't even um, make it out of the group. They didn't make it out of the group, exactly. So I felt as if, you know, people are very reactionary to the first game. You know, you had the people going and saying Messi is, uh, you know, ruining his legacy. He can't carry his team, blah, blah, blah. They still have two other games to play. Yeah, well... It, you know, it goes both ways because it is – it's such a short tournament because you only have three games. And if you lose the first one, it really puts you in a tough spot. Now, look, Germany lost the first game. I don't think that they're in real danger of not making it out of the group. Um, although Italy won the World Cup in 2006, they didn't make it out of the group in 2010. Spain won in 2010, didn't make it out of the group in 2014. And Germany won in 2014, so maybe the trend will continue. Who knows? But I still expect them to make it out of the group. Um, but the problem is that with the first game, when you lose, it it's a big disadvantage because not only did you not come away with any points, now you allowed somebody else to take three points. That's why like a tie isn't really the worst thing in the world because you're only getting a point. Like, for example, Portugal and Spain. Portugal only got a point out of it, but they only kept Spain to a point, too. So it keeps things more level. Level, yeah. You know, whereas if you lose, you now you put yourself in a hole, especially against that one team, at least. And where it really hurts Germany and Argentina and Brazil is in the next round. Because here's the thing. If Germany finishes second in the group, which is a big possibility now, Instead of playing an easier team in the round of 16, they're going to be paired up with the Brazil because Brazil is probably going to be first place in, their group, in the right? other group in the group that Germany's lined up against. And that, and so I was reading that like the way things have gone, we might have Germany, Brazil, and France, Argentina in the round of 16, where people thought those were going to be you know, championship matchups. All on that side of the, the bracket. Yeah. Right. So it, t- it completely changes things. Um, but it's definitely been an entertaining tournament. Every game has had goals. There's been upsets. So Now, tell, you tell me who has really surprised you so far. Who has been the darling 
would you say it would be Iceland? No, I, I think um, the team that I'm most impressed with so far is actually Croatia. Now, I don't think that they could go ahead and win the whole tournament. But hold on, hold on. Didn't a Croatian player uh, just go yeah, he, home he, he's because not, he refused he's, to he's, come into the game? He's not only a Croatian player. He actually plays for AC Milan. So, <laughs> go for well, it, yeah. There you go. I yeah. mean, that, that makes sense for this season, and, right? This guy, Kalinic, who you're talking about, he actually got benched the game. There was a game during the season that Gattuso didn't even call him up to the bench because he wasn't training hard enough in practice. So he's had issues all, all year. So, I mean, um, but, but I, I, you know, I don't understand how, how this happens because I was watching the game with Tunisia and their goalkeeper had to come out of the game because he got hurt. And he's crying. You know, obviously he's worked so hard for this four years. This guy, he has this opportunity to play. And he, he tells the coach, no, I can't go in. And he gets sent home. I, yeah. I, I can't understand the disparity between so, the two. Yeah, like I said, he did the same. You know, Gattuso had a problem with him. The coach, I think, said in April in the friendly games, he, he did the same thing in the friendly games. The co- coach of Croatia last year when he was going to get transferred from Fiorentina, who he used to play for, to Milan, he actually sat out of practice and pretended that he was, like, sick or something. He got a medical note from a doctor. And that was – so he's <laughs> had to stay home from work? What yeah, is he's, he's had a really tough year. He's – apparently he's a weird guy. And, you know, his head's just not in it right now for whatever reason. But Is it that he wanted to start? Is that the issue? Probably, you know, that's probably it. But they have so much talent. You know, they have a lot of talent on that team. And they have Mandzukic, who, you know, you know very well from Juventus and stuff. He's a great player. He's a clutch player. So, And they have other attackers that he can't really – he doesn't deserve to start over. So, you know, they're probably better off sending him home, honestly. I don't think he was going to be a big piece of their tournament anyway. But they look good. You know, Nigeria is a tough team to play. They're talented. They're very fast. Um, and you saw that the African teams are giving, you know, some of the other teams uh, a tough time because of their speed and stuff in the tournament. So for them to be able to come out comfortably and, and beat uh, Nigeria 2 nothing and really not have be in any danger, I think is a great start. It's a tough group, too, with Argentina and Iceland um, and Nigeria. So, you know, they, so, they, they, they did well. Through, through one game, darling of the tournament for Claudio, would be uh, would be Croatia for myself. Uh, this is a team that I've liked from the beginning, um, and I kind of I don't know if you would consider a dark horse favorite, whatever. I I like this team. I hope they go far. Uh, they performed well so far. Belgium. Um, they have Dries Mertens. Uh, they have Lukaku, who I don't understand how his brother didn't make the team. I think they're <laughs> both great. Um, I think this is a team that they're near. They have some veteran experience uh, from the previous World Cup. Um, this might be their last chance at making a real push uh, because some of the players are advanced in age. At least that's from my understanding. From wow, who's the expert reading. now? Man. <laughs> um, this is good research. But but, uh, but you tell me I, when we had this conversation before. You said you didn't feel confident in their coach. Yeah, and I don't, you didn't think don't that like they the can make a run. So explain to our listeners why you feel that way. I don't love the coach. I think that they won. They beat uh, Panama despite their coach because, you know, in the first half they looked a little lost and everything. And, um, you know, it took them a while to get going in the second half. And I think it had more to do with, you know, Panama's talent level than anything. They have a, gr- they have a ton of talented players, like you just said. You know, Mertens. Uh, they have Fellaini from Manchester United. They have, uh, you know, Lukaku. They, they really do have a ton of, of talent on the team, up and down the team. But, you know, they also left Nyangolan, uh home, who is a great midfielder, plays for Roma. Um, and the, the reasoning was that he didn't want to bring Nyangolan to the World Cup, he said, because he has other people that play that position and he doesn't need them. And even though he deserved to be on the team, he didn't want to bring him and have him sit the whole tournament because he was afraid that the player was going to, you know, act up and not be happy on the bench. That's great because um, in- injuries never happen. 
Exactly. Well, that's the thing. It's just, you know, you have to bring your best 23 to the World Cup. And Nyangalan actually said like a bunch of times, you know, I would have just been honored to be on the team. I wanted to go to the World Cup. So and I don't I don't love the I don't love the coach. Um, and, you know, I, I think um, he's just going to be exposed eventually. And he was when I watched Euro 2016, Italy actually played them in the first game, Belgium, and they're superior to Italy at this point. And Italy just dominated them because Antonio Conte was the coach of Italy at the time. And just like tactically, he, he, he destroyed the guy. So, you know, the first game was against Panama who probably shouldn't even be in the world cup, you know, because the United States should have made it over them. Um, But, you know, good for them that they made it, but they're not the most talented team and they should have won that game you know, comfortably from the beginning, and it took them a little bit to figure it out. So that worries me. Interesting. All right. So um, is there anything else we should look out for? Uh, any big matchups, anything like that that's coming around for the second and third games of uh, the group play? Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, all the games coming up are, are going to be interesting just because everybody's pretty much still in it. Um, you know, you're going to have to look. With the exception at- of Egypt with the exception of Egypt and probably tomorrow after the game, Saudi Arabia, I don't expect <laughs> them to be in it anymore either. But, um, you know, the tomorrow's a big game, Portugal, Morocco, Iran, Spain, you know, Spain tied their first game while Iran won it. So that's actually going to be uh, an interesting game. And then uh, Argentina, Croatia, I believe is on Wednesday, which is a huge game for that group because, you know, if Argentina lose that game, which is possible against Croatia, then they're in real, real risk of uh, not making it to the next round, which would be, you know, unheard of. So everybody's still pretty much in it. There's a lot of big games coming up this week, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see where everybody is going into the third and final group game. So follow Claudio on Twitter at CProfetto11. He's obviously been uh, tweeting out his picks for every game. Um, I know we were joking around in the beginning that he was uh, three and five, but he's starting to pick up steam. He picked up a two and one day today. Um, and our expert, we expect him to, uh, to really improve. Not only is he our expert, apparently he is uh, New York City's expert as well, as he had his, uh, his little first foray into uh, – into a New York sports radio uh, when he did a guest spot on John Dostromsky's show at WFAN. How did that go? It went really well. You know, I, I, I had a great time. It was nice going into the studio. Did he you have know, any that, idea what you were talking about with soccer? He just, he just cares about betting. That's it. <laughs> He's like, give me the lines. Let me know who I should put money on, put shekels on, as he likes to say. Well, I think he just wants to be interested in it. And he just wants to be told uh, who – who he can follow and who he can root for. So that's yeah. where that's where the expert comes into play. That was the biggest takeaway from it for me is that you know the United States isn't in the tournament and he wanted a team to root for in the tournament because honestly I thought he was going to be more interested in in game spreads and money line picks and things like that but he was actually more interested in picking a team for the tournament to, to did, root from to root for and he didn't want to go with one of the big favorites you know he didn't want to go with the germany brazil uh france or argentina or any of those teams or spain he wanted a dark horse i gave him portugal which i think has you know a great a great shot at going deep in the tournament i don't think they'll win it but i think they have a good shot at going deep into the tournament and uh but it was a great experience going into the studio you know obviously that i'm a huge WFAN fan. I listened to it pretty much all day. Um, so it was nice to go into the studio and see see everything in uh, first person and had a great time. Yeah, it was great. If, uh, if anyone at home uh, wants to check it out, you can go on, uh, on our Twitter handle. Um, we have the link to the interview on WFAN.com. Um, really, it's, it's a great 12 or 15 minutes. Um, and, and Claudio does a terrific job uh, with that. Uh, he also does a terrific job with some transfer news, and I know we wanted to uh, to get into that for a few minutes um, before we moved off of the the soccer world. Um, so, Claude, what um what big news have you been reporting on recently? Yeah, so on the Demarcio site, there's updates 
on a few players. There's uh, Nyangalon, who I was talking to you about recently. Um, he's actually in the process of moving from Roma to Inter. So that's an interesting move. Inter's had a great transfer campaign so far. Um, they signed a young Argentine player, Latara Martinez, who's you know a great future prospect who should do really well there. Before we move um, forward, let me ask a dumb question for everyone at home that might be listening and not understanding. Um, what goes on with the players that are playing in the tournament? Um, obviously, the teams can still work out deals and whatnot, but yep. um, there's no obviously no physicals that are going to be done for these players. Um, do their agents just conduct whatever negotiations they have for, you know, for example, let's just say Ronaldo gets sold to, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo gets sold to a PSG or something like that. Um, is his head going to be really focused into that or do they wait until after the tournament to do that? No, well, they actually do the physicals, uh, during the world cup, believe it or not, the team will send people to, to the world cup, to the to the camps really? wow. of the team. Yeah, and they'll, they'll do it there. Um, a lot of the times they'll wait for the – if a player is in the World Cup, like a great example right now is uh, Lucas Torreira. He plays on Sampdoria in Italy, and he's pretty much completed his deal to Arsenal and in England. And he did his physical and everything, but they're going to wait. It seems like they're going to wait until after the World Cup to actually do the announcement and everything. Um, but they do the, the physicals during, during the World Cup. It doesn't really stop them. You know what it is? I think they want to nail it down and, and, and complete it because so much could change. You know, if you say you have to wait three weeks before the player's physical, like what would stop another team from coming in and being like, oh, you're going to give, you know, 40, you're going to get 40 million for this guy? Here's 80 million. You know, see, but that's really interesting because I would, want, I would want to wait to purchase the player until after the World Cup. Because obviously there's the risk of injury during the World Cup. Why would I want to buy a player that's going to tear their ACL and be out for the whole year? Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a fair point. But, you know, the risk is always there, you know, with or without the World Cup. And I think teams are just – there's so much uh, competitiveness on the transfer market where you really have to go out and get your guy. And, you know, you can't afford to wait because if you wait, someone else will go out and purchase them. So – it's uh, it's interesting, especially during the World Cup. But you know, other than uh, those guys that I just mentioned already, Torreira and Angelon, Milinkovic Savic. Do you know who he is? Milinkovic Savic. He plays on Lazio. Uh, I do not. Okay, he's a great player. He's like he's one of the best midfielders in the world. He had a great uh, season at Lazio. He plays for Serbia in the World Cup. He almost scored a bicycle kick the other day, which was like which would have been amazing. That seems to be the thing this year is bicycle The bicycle kicks, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Real Madrid are apparently interested in him. Now, Lazio has said that they want 150 million euros for him and not a dollar less. So it would be absolutely insane if Real Madrid do purchase him. That's an insane price tag. And they're also interested in Roma goalie Allison, who is the starting goalie. I do know Brazil. who that is. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he's from Brazil. And that's, that's a similar situation where Roma don't have to sell him. They don't want to sell him. So they've set the price at $100 million. Um, Real Madrid, according to DiMarzio, doesn't want to pay more than $70 million, including bonuses. Um, but if the player wants to leave, it's going to be hard to keep him. So Roma might have to lower their demands a little bit if he wants to leave. There's no indication whether he wants to or doesn't want to at the moment, though. Interesting. Do you get to get the sense of who is going to be a buyer and seller in this market already, or does it need to play yeah. out a little bit more? It's crazy. I mean, Inter has been a buyer. Um, you know, they're going to have to make some some sales because of financial fair play. Uh, so they have like a settlement agreement with UEFA, and under the settlement agreement, they're going to have to sell some players to raise some money. But they're definitely uh, buyers. Juventus has already sold, uh, purchased Emer Khan, Emer Shan, whatever that, however you say it, from uh, Liverpool. He was a free agent, and Juventus, so Juventus doesn't have to pay Liverpool anything for him because his contract expired. They just literally have to sign him. Did we get um, a decision out of Buffon? Buffon is. Demarcio said yesterday that Buffon is very close to joining PSG. Wow. It looks like, okay. it looks like it's going to go through. Um, you know, PSG is also 
considered buyers, but they, they have to sell some players and they're actually looking to sell one of their players, Pastore to, to Roma. But it's interesting. You definitely could see early on, like, especially in England, you know, Manchester city um, is about to purchase Jorginho, who really? is a Napoli wow. okay. player. Yeah. So, and they're always buyers, Manchester United, you have to expect are going to be buyers. They, they purchased Fred, um, who was a great Brazilian midfielder already liverpool has made some great purchases already um, so napoli with the new coach is in cell mode yeah which is interesting well they're not in cell mode but I, what happened is he came in ancelotti and he outlined the players that are untouchable to him and Jorginho is not one of them for whatever reason so they're willing to sell him because i think they're, they're looking for like 60 million euros for him or something and that's what manchester city is probably going to end up paying uh, but it's funny because you have Arsenal making moves, you have Manchester City making moves, Manchester United making moves, Liverpool making moves, and then you have Chelsea, who the coach is still Antonio Conte, but like no one knows if he's going to be the coach long term. Supposedly they're still going after Sari, but like there's no there's no movement there, and it's just what are they doing? All these other teams <laughs> in England are making moves, buying players being competitive for the for the upcoming season and they're just like n- not even sure what they're doing with their coach yet it's just a shocking situation and if i now were that's, that's a, a poor reflection on their board right because they can't have their that's that would be the equivalent of a front office not having a uh, a coaching staff in line uh by the time free agency rolled around and passed um and they didn't know what direction they were going in yeah it's 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 really that's it's tough because like exactly what you just said, Eden Hazard, who's one of their, he is their best player and he's, he's on Belgium. So I'm sure, you know, yes. you know him well, he's one of the best players in the world at this time. And he came out and said, like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I don't know who the coach is going to be next year. Cause people are asking him if he's going to move to real Madrid and whatnot. And he said, I don't know what I'm doing because you know, I don't know if the coach is going to be the same, but here's the thing. The coach Conte, has been very, very upset with the board all year because last summer he felt like he didn't get the reinforcements he needed to compete again for the championship, which he won the year before. Um, And all the fans and stuff were giving him a lot of slack for it. They were like, oh, just coach the team you're given, coach the team you're given, you know, blah, 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 which is hard to do in England because, you know, you have teams in England that are spending tons and tons of dollars, not dollars, but pounds, you know, and signing players, and you can't really afford to fall behind. So I think there's a big issue going on at Chelsea. They're not going to spend money like they used to, which is going to take them out of the race for being a top team. Um, and it'll be interesting to see going forward who their coach is and what kind of moves they make. But right now they've been absolutely dead on on the transfer market. So it's a, it's a little interesting. So last transfer question. Um, you hear Real Madrid's name and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, are they in on every player? Is that just and any of the top players? Are they linked to all of them? They're yeah. They, you could say that. I mean, I have to say the truth. The past couple of years, they've been a little quiet on the transfer market. Like especially last year, they didn't really make any major moves at all. Um, because they have a good foundation. They have players like Ronaldo, Benzema, Bale, like top top names and players. But they also have great younger players like Isco. Asensio, uh, you know, Lucas Vasquez. So they, they have a lot of homegrown great players too. They remind me a lot of the Yankees, you know, how the Yankees have that mix of star names and they have, but now they're, they're coming through, coming up with, with the a younger lot prospects, of young guys. Yeah. And Real Madrid has kind of did the same thing. But I guess this year they just feel like uh, their goalie novice is probably on a decline and isn't going to have that many great years left ahead of him. He's made some mistakes this year already, especially in the Champions League. Um, so they probably looking to upgrade there. And Allison's a great young goalie. I personally think he's the best goalie in the world. Um, so that's probably why they want to make that kind of move. And then Milinkovic-Savic is the same thing. He's a great player. And I, I have a feeling that Juventus won him, and his father actually came out and said that he would like his son to make the step up to Juventus. He said, you know, Juventus is the right team for him right now. Real Madrid um, could wait, but Juventus doesn't have 150 million euros to to spend on him. And that 
so that tells me that he's probably going to end up at Madrid. The only teams that could really afford that sort of number are Real Madrid, Manchester City, Manchester United, and PSG. But PSG, like I said before, because they spent so much money on Neymar and Mbappe last year, they um, are not going to have that kind of money to play with this year. Nor do I think he would want to go to PSG, but I could definitely see him going to, to Real Madrid or Manchester United at some point uh, this summer. And now uh, we'll, we'll leave on this. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, is he uh, wearing a Real Madrid jersey next year? I don't think he is. Um, it's a hot, it might be a hot take. It's going to be difficult for him to leave because he does have a few years left on his contract, so he's tied to the club. So technically, if the club doesn't want to sell him, they don't have to. But I don't think you want a very unhappy Cristiano Ronaldo on your team either. And he has given so much to Real Madrid that I think it would be the right thing for them to do um, to let him go if that's what he wants. And the reason why I think he's gone is because I don't know if you read about the tax evasion thing and he has to pay a fine to the Spanish government. No, please do tell. It's very interesting. So <laughs> it, ha- it happens like every star player in Spain for some reason. I don't know if it's the government. I don't know if it's these players that just aren't you know, doing what they're supposed to do. Who knows? But it happened to Messi too. He had the same problem where you know, they got in trouble for tax evasion. And he actually made – Don't they take the taxes out of their paycheck beforehand? Why wouldn't they just do it for him? <laughs> I I don't I know it's true but I don't know too much into it so I don't want to like give too much of an opinion on it but what I've read was that it has more to do with like his image rights than his actual salary mm. and, and and pay like things on and, the and side. And you said you said Messi had this issue before, right? Messi had the issue too. Did he get suspended? So, he got suspended, right? For for something similar to this? Was it suspension? Uh no, I don't think he got suspended for for uh it wasn't for this for mm. tax evasion. But um Anyway, he – so I think that he's been very upset vocally. He's been very upset with the Spanish government about this. You know, he doesn't think he did anything wrong, blah, blah, blah. But he did enter a plea deal earlier in the day before they played Spain last week. And I think the hat trick was just like a big, you know, F you to, <laughs> to Spain, the Spanish government. And I think he just wants out of there. He probably wants to go back to Manchester United. That's you know where really? he became, wow. okay. became a star, and there's there's not many teams that are going to be able to afford him. You know his wages are just insane, and so apparently he got a little annoyed last year with Real Madrid because Messi got a huge contract deal and an extension. Neymar, when he went to PSG, he got a huge contract deal. And Ronaldo felt like he should be on the same level as those guys because he won back-to-back Champions Leagues for Real Madrid, which is the biggest thing you could win in club football. So he was upset already about that. And I think that, on top of the Spanish tax evasion issue, is really pushing him out of the country, and I I could see him leaving the summer. All right. So you heard it here first – Claudio Perfetto, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo will not be with Real Madrid next year. Um, so we, we want that. We want it to, uh, to be sourced to us uh, when the news does break. Yeah, well, I'm <laughs> sure other people have been writing it too, but I, I'll take the credit. No there we go. All right, so let's, uh, let's transition a little bit uh, to um, the NBA uh, and the NBA draft, which is coming up uh, in a few days on Thursday. Um, we were originally supposed to have a, a real expert on, um, but that fell through as per usual with this podcast. Um, <laughs> so pretty much you have, uh, two idiots interpretations of, uh, of the NBA draft. Um, two idiots who support an idiot team, team in yeah, the draft. Exactly. So it's like a very, very bad combination. Yeah. So, um, have you, have you done any research at all on this draft? So I'm obviously I follow college basketball. I follow the NBA. So I've heard things here and there. Um, the European guy, Luka Don- uh, Doncic, Doncic, love him. Doncic, I heard, yeah. I heard today that he's very interested in dating Jennifer Aniston. I really? read that on, I read that on the New York post. So <laughs> that is automatically number one pick number material one pick. for me. Definitely. Uh, that's actually hilarious. Um, but I, I do want to tell you this. If you, um, 
so I was doing some research today and I was looking at the uh, the ESPN mock draft. Okay. So they said that there's this mock draft um, created by all of the experts. Um, and it, it lists, obviously, the team and who they think they're going to select. But then it gives player comparisons. Okay. Um, and this is where things get really, really funny. Um, now, I'm going to tell you the player comparison. And you tell me where you think this person should be picked. Okay. So, DeAndre Ayton. His player comparison is Greg Oden. Shouldn't be picked at all. Well, he's supposedly going to be the number one number pick one in the draft. Okay. Um, Luka Doncic. His player comparison is Joe Johnson and Solomon Hill. Joe Johnson and Solomon Hill. Now, Joe Johnson, I mean... I would mid mid first round, right? He had a good he had a good career. Joe he's Johnson, gonna be the yeah. he's gonna be the second pick in the draft. Um, Trey Young, his player comparisons are Shabazz Napier and Joe Young. Late first round, the number nine pick to the New York Knicks. There you go. That's who we're gonna so, end up with. That's these already. these player comparisons are outrageous. I would I would give the pick back. Why are they doing that? How does that even make sense? I I have no I don't know why they would compare Aiden to Greg Oden. Although does Michael he have Por- injury history? Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure of that. Although Michael yeah. Porter Jr. is compared to Paul George, but also okay. Sam Decker. So I don't understand how. <laughs> how could you pre- how could you be compared to both? I I don't know. Are Paul <laughs> George and Sam Decker in the same? Same conversation I have as no NBA idea. players. No, I have no, no idea I mean, how, they, how they wrote this article, but That's I just crazy. thought that was that was really really funny. Um, so obviously, you watched DeAndre Ayton um, yep. at Arizona. Um, we know limited things about Luka Doncic. Um, we know that he just won a championship with the basketball version of Real Madrid. Um, who would Love be it. your number? Who would be your number one pick? I would go with Bagley, Marvin Bagley. Really? Okay. Yeah, dark so horse. This mock draft doesn't have him until fifth to the Dallas Mavericks. But. Really? Interesting. Did you you think he was the best player in college basketball? I or think not, he was yeah, his prospect, rather. I think he, yeah, I think he his game will transition best to the the NBA. I mean, Aiton's right up there with him. Um, I never really love the European picks because for every Porzingis, there's you know a Darko. Can't even you, you, you can't just, even say that about Porzingis. No, nah, I know you can't. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Porzingis yeah. is a decent player at least. You know, the most you can hope for size. your European player is to be Dirk Nowitzki. That's the that's the highest praise you can you can. Yeah, and how many times has that happened? No, it's not. It's not often. Now, for every. Uh, every Him. Dirk Nowitzki, it's uh, Jonas uh, Valasunas yeah, or exactly. you know someone uh, Lampe, Andrea Bargnani, yeah, Andrea Bargnani, yeah, there you go, Frank Lampe. They kind of never even made it onto the team. No, Lampe was the second. Yeah, you're right. He never made it onto the team. And then no. the uh, Frederick Weiss was the was the pick that they the Knicks took uh, before Ron Artest, and he literally Vince Carter ended his life. Yeah, and you have Barnani. I mean, but you know, you, then on the on the flip side, I guess you can go with uh, Tony Parker. Uh, you have um, uh, Ginobili, Pagasol, Ginobili. Even though he's not European, but so I. But Dirk is really the only. I would say Dirk is the only superstar could have been considered the best player in the NBA at any point. You know, in his career. I don't think any other European player you could say was ever, you know, considered the best player in the NBA uh, uh, at any point in their careers. So, I don't, I don't really love love them. I just think I mean, that it's a tough comparison, you know. So the the Suns are poised, you know, obviously to be pretty good. They have Devin Booker. Um, they have some pieces around them, uh, around him rather. Um, I would actually the way that the NBA is going, you know. The Warriors just won a championship starting Javel McGee in Game 7. Um, not Game 7, uh, rather Game, game 5. Four. Game 4, whenever it was. Yeah, they swept. Um, yeah, they swept. Um, How, I was in Italy and I knew that, man. <laughs> Come on. 
<laughs> well, um, but the the point remains. You clearly don't need a a. The game has transitioned that you don't need a post up center anymore. You don't need a, a big man anymore. If anything, you you want to stretch four um, to play the five. Uh, you know that's that's where the NBA is moving. I don't know why you wouldn't go after uh, Doncic, who seems to be a six eight point guard. Right. No, it's true. It, it's a good point. Um, but I think Bagley also fits that. You know, he's uh, he's very athletic. He's huge. He's so tall and he's athletic. He could, you know, he's he runs great. He could jump. He's gonna be a. I think he'll he'll be a better defender. You know, just based off of pure athleticism. Um, and he, it was crazy for me because you've watched Duke throughout the years like I yeah. have. Duke has never relied on a player so much. You know, he's he was really putting up crazy numbers, whereas, you know, as many great people have come out of Duke, no one really ever comes out of Duke putting putting those types of numbers up, you know, double-doubles, scoring a lot of points. You know, they're, they're, it's usually much more of a team game and, and a team philosophy. So I just think that speaks volumes of the type of player that he is and could be. So, you know, I, that, I, I have a special spot for him because of that. I think he's going to be a great player. So Michael Porter Jr., I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the year, he was probably the consensus number one pick before the season even started. He was a can't-miss prospect. Yeah, and then Trey Young kind of took it over for a little bit, right? Yeah, well, Porter got injured, um, and then he really didn't play that many games. Um, Now the thought is that he's going to be in a top-10 pick or a top-15 pick. Um, It's interesting to see someone fall from being the consensus number one to now, you know, late first round, you could possibly end up in the hellhole that is the New York Knicks. Well, look, if he ends up with the Knicks, he's going to be terrible. So, you know <laughs> that. Hopefully, he goes somewhere late first round, like to the Spurs or something like that. And, uh, he, well, it was an injury. So, you never know. Look at Kyrie. He got hurt during his season at Duke, but he still turned out to be a great uh, NBA player. So, he, it's someone's going to get a good a good steal, I think, with with him because of the injury. Trey Young, um, don't for, want him. for a while was uh, was lighting up uh, everyone's NBA scouts' radars um, as a top draft pick. It seems like um, uh, interest has kind of waned a little bit in him. Um, there was a period where he was carrying the team and then, uh, around selection time, people didn't understand why Oklahoma even made the tournament. And then, um, he had a a poor performance in the tournament. Um, so, you know, what, what are your thoughts on him? And, uh, do you think he's, he is the Steph Curry, uh, type player that people have been talking about? I think he, you know, physically he matches up with Steph Curry, but Steph Curry had a great tournament and he he played on a lesser team, you know, I Davidson than than Trey Young obviously. So I don't I don't love him. I I'm pretty sure that's who the Knicks are going to end up drafting and he will probably be a, a bust especially cuz the Knicks don't need another point guard anyway. But See, I disagree. I think they're going to end up with a kid from Villanova, uh Bridges. Bridges. Um, yeah, and the reason why I say this is I think, and you know, he's obviously a good player, but I think he's he's kind of like a Lance Thomas light, and they seem to love players like Lance Thomas um, <laughs> that can kind of play the three, the four. Um, they could step outside to shoot a three a little bit. They'll play tough defense, but just at the end of the day, they're not as talented as other players, um, and I think that's who they're going to end up taking. I read something today, a couple of things that they're interested in. Uh, Kevin Knox. I like. Kentucky. I really you like, like that him. Pick? I mean, obviously, I'm you know you know my affinity for Kentucky players, um, but there were times when watching Kentucky last year where he totally took over the game. He was their best offensive option, um, and that that consisted of driving to the basket and knocking down three pointers. Um, will he be able to hit the NBA three? That's a question. Um, but he's only 19 years old and he's a big body. Um, and you know, he's kind of, of that 
Kevin Durant ilk that he's a big guy that can that can shoot. Yeah, and I like that because obviously all the things you just mentioned, and I like kids out of Kentucky too because you know maybe the ceiling isn't that high, you know, sometimes with them, but I feel like the floor is higher than most people, most other schools. So you at least know that yeah, you're I mean, going to be, gonna be getting, right. You're going to be getting a good player. You know, maybe he, he might not turn out to be a superstar, but he might at least be, be a good player, which that's really all you can ask for, especially with the number nine pick, you know, I mean, if it was a top three pick, it's a different story, but at number nine, you know, you're probably not getting a superstar, you know, that, that could make a huge difference right away. So you, you could take someone like that who could develop a little bit over time and you won't rely on to win right away, you know? So I have two players and I want to, I want to ask where you think they're going to go. Um, the first is Dante DiVincenzo. No, uh, uh, you were going to say uh, that. Villanova. Obviously, um, before the national championship game, I don't think anyone was going to say that this guy, um, was going to go in in the first round of the draft. Um, now some people are saying it's possible. Um, where do you think he's going? I think he's going to go late first round just because, I mean, he had an amazing performance in the, in the title game. And um, the thing about him is he could shoot, but he's very athletic. So he's he's not Surpri- just, yeah surprisingly uh, athletic. Yeah, he's not just a shooter. He's he's going to be able to do some other things. Um, he could turn out to be a JJ Redick type player. I don't particularly love him. Um, you know, with a name like Dante DiVincenzo, he should be playing soccer instead. <laughs> well, he but, did play soccer. You knew yeah, that, right? Yeah, I know. But um, but I think he could. You know, he he'll probably go late first round and a team that content that's contending could probably use him because of uh, his shooting ability. And that would be a good spot for him, you know, instead of being on a team where he's going to, he's going to be the star. Yeah. I mean, we'll run through him. he really impressed me. And when we say surprisingly athletic, he's only six, four. Um, yeah. But the, you know, he seemed like he could jump through the roof in that championship game and the, and the, uh, the level of defensive intensity that he gave was unbelievable. Um, so he, he really impressed me. I know he impressed a lot of people in the, the national championship game. Um, he was only, I think he just finished his sophomore season. Um, so, you know, he left early. So obviously his agents and the people around him are telling him that he is probably going to go in the first round. Right. It, it'll be interesting to see. Um, the second person that I wanted to ask Grayson Allen. <laughs> Grayson Allen. I wouldn't take him on. I mean, I think he's probably going to go – he'll probably go second round. But You think someone takes a flyer on him? I think so, just because Duke, you know, the J.J. Reddick comparison. There were, there were points last year where he was a knockdown three-point shooter. Yeah, he's a great shooter. I mean, that's what he is. The reason why I would stay away from him is he's an obvious head case, <laughs> which, you know, in the NBA – it's gonna it's gonna be tough to deal with that, especially in the locker room and stuff. So I don't trust him there, and you know, and he's way too emotional. Um, so I would stay away from him, but I think someone will definitely take a flyer on him because he had a good, he had a really good career at Duke, you know, and, and he was there for was he there for all four years? He yeah, he was. He was there. He was there, he was there all four years. I don't know if you remember. His freshman year, he was on the championship. He was. Team. He not only was he on the championship team, but the championship game, he really helped beat Connecticut. Yeah, really, really helped beat them. I think it was Connecticut. I think that's who they played. Um, and uh, he had a great. No, it was. Uh, it was Butler. Was it Butler? Yeah, Butler went back to back years and lost both. Yeah, uh, you might be right. I. I I'm pretty again. sure it was Butler. Again, um, but he had a he had a, a really really great uh, championship game, um, and you know I feel like he's been around for forever. He's got to be seasoned. He has to know exactly, you know, how to play the game and and what he can do and what he can't do. So someone may want to take a flyer on a veteran uh, if you could have a veteran coming out of college. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. One player that I want to ask you about, Miles Bridges, not Bridges from Villanova. The uh, Michigan State guy. Michigan State, yeah, because he was supposed to come out last year, remember? And um, he kind of hurt his freshman year. He kind of hurt his draft value, I will say that. Yeah, he did. He definitely did. I don't, 
want him anywhere near the Knicks. Um, I just I don't think he's a good NBA player. I think. Well, I he's, think uh, you gave you gave a, a great um, a great comparison where you thought his name was Solinger, uh, as, as in Jared Solinger. I think that's a pretty good comparison. Um, and also Denzel Valentine, who was the other um, Michigan State player. I don't know if you remember him. He got drafted by the Bulls. Um, right. I think like two years ago. Um, the very similar players. They were great in college. Tom Izzo does a great job of getting talent out of out of players um, that aren't as uh, supremely talented um, as one would think. Um, and I just think, you know, he doesn't do anything that's great. Yeah, agree. I think he's very average across the board. He'll probably be getting a good, decent player. Again, someone that maybe like a contender could take a flyer on just because, you know, if you have your superstar already, you have your top players already, he can come in and give you some depth. Um, but he doesn't do anything great. He's not outstanding at anything. You know, he's not a, he won't be a great offensive player or a great defensive player. So, you know, I, I, I want to back it up for one second. We're both wrong. It was against Wisconsin. Duke played Wisconsin in the final? Yes, because Wisconsin beat Kentucky Kentucky. uh, when they were undefeated um, on the way to the championship. Um, Right. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, was the greatest Allen game. I'm thinking of Duke in 2010 when they beat Butler. Yes, with uh, what Gordon Hayward was on that at that team. That, but yeah, they, they I think they won at the buzzer or something. Duke, remember? Uh, Duke won, and um, Hayward missed a half court, oh, right. half court heave. It. Yeah, um, it bounced off the backboard and went around. Exactly. The exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a that was a weird that had, that team had. Um, I want to say John Shire. Yeah. Um, they had like Kyle they had, uh, was, Singler was still Kyle Singler. Um, I feel like they had a Plumlee because they had a Plumlee for like 37 years straight. Um, so <laughs> it's true. Duke is weird. Lance Thomas was on that team too. Really? Wow. Yeah, All right. We sure. really came full circle. And Nolan Smith. Wow. All right. So yeah. uh, I think that's a good time for us to end uh, because we we really ran the gamut of uh, of our college basketball knowledge right there yeah uh maybe next time we'll have a real expert hopefully that won't fall through again um but we'll <laughs> if you're an expert and you're interested please <laughs> feel free to reach out yeah uh, well we want to thank everyone for listening to episode 12 again you can follow us at 88 expert pod you can follow claudio at cperfetto 11 follow myself at calcio joe 5 um and again you know we're we're going to to shift towards having more experts on um over the next few weeks uh hopefully they don't fall through anymore (laughs) (laughs) that's right yeah and on that note uh we'll see you all next week